Right. Hello and welcome. Uh, today we have Brendan uh, on the podcast. Um, Brendan and I have been working together since um, September. Um, he's one of my first uh, clients from my counseling service. And we have had 12 sessions um, by now. And um, I asked Brendan if he wanted to do a sort of a reflection session with me uh, on the podcast to yeah, kind of look back on the process that um, he went through, that we went through together and to see if we could identify some of the um, factors that contributed to the uh, developments that he went through uh, in the hope that well, some people might be able to relate to his experience or might feel inspired by some of the things um, he did um, or perhaps um, also learn something about the potential benefits of, uh, of counseling or therapy. Um, yeah, Brendan is a, is a, is a comedian. Um, right now, unfortunately, cannot really work as a stand-up <laughs> comedian because of the COVID crisis. But um, he is, uh, he's working hard to get to, to, to be as ready for it as he can, can get um, when it becomes possible again. Uh, when some regulations are lifted. Um, he's an immigrant from New Zealand. Yeah. Since how many years are you living in Berlin now? Um, I've been coming here on and off since 2014, but I've been living here for the last like two years. Yeah, two right. years. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't believe it's only been 12 um sessions that we've had it feels mm -hmm. like because um, really that would only be like 18 hours of therapy in total that's crazy how much of a change it's come from like not even a full week of a part-time job mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not even that long yeah that, wow. that's indeed quite crazy to um to reflect on that like that I think it also maybe it also helped that it, we have spread it out over quite a long period of time. We often had maybe two weeks in between, sometimes even three. Um, yeah, that's true. So yeah, I've had a lot of time to um, to work on, like like by yourself, and to think about what we discussed in our sessions. Yeah, uh, that was good. Having a week or two between sessions helped me to um, digest what we covered and to apply any techniques or I don't know any new strategies and then it gave me a bit of time to kind of assess how that worked so I knew what to talk about you uh, talk about with you the next time and then also um, any other things that may have come up that we hadn't talked about yet and also in mm -hmm. two weeks there's plenty of time for um, you know like something to happen and then you know, if something happens and you have like a response to it, you can gather some information, be like, oh, this happened and I freaked out. Uh, let's talk about that, you know. So mm -hmm. that having that amount of time was good, but also a, a week was good as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first maybe five sessions or something like that, we had two weeks in between and then we had a period where we uh, did one every week because you felt you had uh, you could use that. 
and now we're back to every two weeks again um, because well you're you're doing better and you had a little bit less to to talk about in some way um but we still yeah. have plenty to to work on yeah there was a point there and i think november was the worst month um and i was it was good to meet every week because yeah, that was, <laughs> November was pretty bad. Um, and the beginning of December was like probably the first week of December. There was a few hard days here and there, but I think we met every week in November. Mm -hmm. I think, and that was really good because I was like, okay, I just have to get through the week. Um, and then we can, I guess it's kind of like, um, you know, when you're like sailing a boat around in a storm, you're kind of like hopping from harbor to harbor, just trying to like get through the whole thing. And that's that's um, meeting every week kind of helped because I noticed a massive difference um, after the therapy session. I thought, okay, um, I've got these tools here. I can actually do this. It's it was, yeah, I am. Um, um, how would I say it? Um, I noticed a big difference in my perspective on things because I would obsess over things for like a week and things would get like crazy out of control in my mind. And then when I would talk to you, we would kind of bring it back down to like reality and then I'd be okay for another week and then shit would get crazy. You know? <laughs> One, one yeah. thing there to mention is also, oh, it's also interesting to mention is uh, a, an observation that you made of how you changed kind of during the course of one session. Like oh. that in the beginning, you had a lot to a lot to share, like you were seeing things maybe relatively dim and gray. But then over the course of the session, you kind of, well, in some ways you even got more and more hyped. And at some point during almost every every session, you stood up and you started walking um, while we were talking and um, <laughs> yeah, feeling very energized. Like, oh, yeah, I, will, I will do this, I will do that. And like, oh, yeah, and that and that makes sense. And yeah, I, I noticed, yeah, I would sit. Oh, sorry, my phone's vibrating. Um, there we go. I would sit on the couch and I'd be talking to you. And then... I just felt like, you know, you feel like you're carrying this backpack around with like a, a ton of bricks in there. And there's all these questions of like, how am I going to deal with this and this and this and this? And like, is this going to go on my whole life? Because if so, I'm definitely going to tap out because this is, <laughs> I hate this. Um, but then gradually as we would talk things through and I would be able to be completely honest with how I felt because when you're talking to your friends, you know, it's like if your car is broken, broken down and you just go to one of your friends, who's not a mechanic or something. And you say, dude, this, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Feeling really hopeless in this situation. Can you help me? And your friends like, I could maybe like your friend knows how to maybe change like a tire or something. So you're telling them all of this, like next level, <laughs> traumatic stuff and they don't have the skills to help you so they just suffer because they worry about you and they can't help you and i i don't get any better i feel like my situation's worse because no one can help me so um 
when I go to you with my problems, it's it's a lot more. I remember the relief I felt when I thought, oh, okay, yeah, um, I feel, I feel that we can work on these things and make sense of what's happening. Because when things are swirling around in your head for like a week, it just everything just gets so crazy. And then so halfway through the session, when when I'd kind of calmed down a bit, and then I thought. And then we'd started talking about what I can do to improve things and how, how much power I actually had that feeling of when the feeling of helplessness, helplessness disappears. I was like, yeah, actually. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I, yeah, there's suffering and that's seems to be unavoidable. That That's okay. I never really wanted a comfortable life, so I'm all right with that. But, um, You know, when you, uh, I think when I realized the power that I have actually and how a lot of that suffering has meaning, that's when I started to change my perspective. And that's when I would stand up and walk around and be like, yeah, I can, because I couldn't stay sitting. I was like, yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> when you watch like a movie, there's like a sports team and they're like getting their asses kicked for like the whole season. And there's like this one pivotal game and then the, the coach walks in and he's like, gives like the big talk and then everyone gets up and they're like ready to like kill. You know what I mean? So it's that, that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. A good how this, that to anybody. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how this sense of, of empowerment manifests itself uh, phys- physically for you that you like before and like, uh, why, why get up? Why do anything? Nothing I do really matters. I cannot change anything. I don't have the power. And then it's like, yeah, why would you move? Why wouldn't you just stay static on your couch? But then when you feel like, oh, I can actually do something about it. I can make things better. I have way more, uh, way more power than I thought. Um, it literally, this energy surges inside of you and it, it, it urges you to, to move and to do something about your situation. Yeah, and that's the that's a great thing because I feel it like the next day as well. And then the day after that, and the day after that, and it kind of gradually weakened as all of the, you know, like the, the doubts or whatever would come in from certain stimulation. But then as I get to the next uh, session, I would have that experience again. And then I started being able to do that for myself mm-hmm. Because the main problem I had was this relationship between depression and anxiety. So from my, from my experience, if you go through trauma in life at a young age, fairly often, fairly frequently, it starts to feel as if there's like a tiger around every corner in life. And that it's just a matter of time before like things go wrong. And so anytime there's any kind of situation where your mind is like, oh, that situation there, that could definitely turn into a disaster and ruin everything. Um, First of all, it's exhausting because you're constantly looking for danger and you're obsessing over what things that could potentially be like, that could ruin your life. And then it also gets depressing because you're like, oh, anytime I think of a potential opportunity, I'm not thinking of like, Oh, how much could that improve my life? I'm thinking like, Hmm, how much potential does that have to ruin everything we currently have? 
And then you start having these situations where uh, I don't want to get out of bed in the morning or I don't want to go to work or I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I just want to like, the only things I really enjoyed during those times was getting up on stage and telling jokes and stories and stuff. Um, like drinking and playing computer games basically just like aside from the jokes and stuff everything i was doing was just like retreating from reality because of this feeling of uh this constant lookout for like danger mm-hmm. not like someone could hurt me or something like that but like what events could ruin my life that yeah after a while it just gets so exhausting that i withdrew from it mm-hmm so when that feeling is taken away, when you realize, um, like you helped me to realize that all of the trauma and suffering I went through actually was kind of the source of all my strength. My whole life, I had had this idea that there was something wrong with me or that the things that made me an individual were the things that were difficult for other people to handle. So for example, like when I was a kid, I had a lot of energy and the teachers would make us sit on the mat like the carpet in the classroom and they would get us to practice reading and i was like no this is this is boring i've got too much energy for this and i couldn't sit still and then they would like you know they would like tell me off and then they'd make me like sit on my hands and stuff and then they would make me like run around the basketball court outside in the sun because i couldn't sit still so the, the whole time it's like, dude, there's something wrong with you. Life's not easy because there's something wrong with you. Instead of saying like, oh, isn't it great that you've got so much energy? Well, man, that's a good, uh, you can channel that into a whole lot of things in life. But no, it was, um, so this whole time, the, uh, like the feedback I'm getting from the outside world is that, uh, you know, there's, you're suffering because there's something wrong with you. And we don't approve of it. So when I realized that actually all of these things that I've gone through, like that's just one example. There are many, all these things that I've been through are actually the source of all my, like my strength and my power. So it's actually good that I went through those things. And then it helps help me to accept these things, these traumatic events, because once I could accept them because I thought, okay, no matter what happens, there's going to be a positive that comes from it. So then I stopped worrying about things happening in the future because I thought, well, I can accept them as well. Like, yeah, okay. They'll be painful or whatever, but I'll be able to accept them. And then I thought, well, it was really like a magical spell or something like it within a week or two, the whole thing lifted. And I thought, wow, like this is, is this what other people feel like the world looks completely different now? I'm not, I just feel normal. It's the weirdest feeling. The novelty hasn't really worn off yet. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not freaking out about things and I'm not worrying. And I'm, I only sleep as much as I need to. And then I get out of bed and go and do stuff, but I don't wake up thinking like, Oh no, I'm awake again. Oh Jesus. I can't really sleep for another hour or two because it's already 2 PM. You know, I'm not in that mode anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I remember um, that at some point when we started integrating and reconsolidating some of these um, these traumatic experiences from your past, the challenges that you faced, and reappraising them as having 
having having two sides having not just like something negative does not necessarily mean that there's something wrong with you but like whether that's it's a, it's a characteristic that has um as both like adaptive and um and an unadaptive sides to it um and that like up until that point you were very focused on the on the ways in which it was harming you um but then like i think it was really one or two sessions that it seemed like everything kind of fell fell like like everything kind of clicked for, for for you and then like i remember you messaging me wow like there was the first day that i ever woke up without uh feeling anxiety or for as long as i can remember um <laughs> i remember this day actually <laughs> i woke up and i was like oh this is strange <laughs> something is missing <laughs> Something's not right um I guess if you're constantly used to hearing like a noise outside your window every day in the morning, like let's say like the, the rubbish trucks are taking the rubbish away in the morning. And if that happens every day for like your entire life and then one day it doesn't and you like wake up and you think like, what, what the hell is going on? There's the rug, the, that noise should be there. And that noise in my mind like wasn't there. And I thought, I wonder how long this will last, but I had a feeling that it would last for a long time. Like this is not going to go away because something fundamentally has changed. Um, it was a really, there's a point I wanted to make. Um, ah, yeah. When you recommended, it was around the time that you recommended the book Mastery to me. That was when things really started to um, change. That was about the, beginning of december um remember i think you finished it within one week as an audiobook yeah yeah it was um uh, how, uh, everything that the guy was saying in the book was resonating with me and i thought jesus this makes so much sense so basically if i could a lot of people watching podcasts I don't know. I don't know how many people know about this uh, audio book. It's called Master. I can't remember the guy who wrote it. I'm Robert Green. Robert Green. Um, so he talks about all these people that have become masters of their field. You know, they athletes, artists, blah blah blah. Um, there's even like a jet fighter pilot in there, and they talk about. Um, he talks about their struggles in their lives, and how whatever they went through in life gradually they, like the beginning is called the, like the apprenticeship phase. And they went through all of these things. And a lot of the time there was the suffering and these trials and tribulations and dead ends that didn't really make a lot of sense. And a lot of the time these people felt like they were failures. And then he illustrates how actually all of these things that they went through were, um, were essential to their education as a master of whatever they're doing. Like, for example, Leonardo da Vinci, he was a illegitimate child in the uh, 14th, yeah, the 14th century. Um, but he wasn't, he was born to like nobility, but he was an illegitimate child. So he wasn't eligible for most fields of education. And um, he had, a, there were basically a lot of limits on what he could do with his life and with work and whatever. So, 
he wasn't allowed to go to school. So he would just like, as a kid, wander around in the forest all day and sketch whatever he saw. And he was just like fascinated with everything. So he just um, sketched everything and he became really obsessed with how things work. So there's a whole bunch of other things that happened. But what I look at, what I take from that is like, you could look at that. Okay. Yeah. Like you're an illegitimate child in the 15th century. Like that's, that's, that's a bad situation. Um, But on the other hand, what good came from it was amazing. So that, that part in itself was an essential part of his, like, you know, his apprenticeship stage. So then I started looking at the things in my life that were difficult. So for example, uh, I moved, my family moved around a lot when I was a kid. So I had, I went to a ton of different schools. And um, when you go to a new school, you have to learn quickly on how the social dynamic works. Um, Because if you don't, the kids will turn on you and your life will suck. Uh, So you have to know how to make friends quickly. You have to learn how to fight other kids and you have to learn how to be funny and you have to be very observant of the situation. So, so being uprooted a lot and moving around a lot as a kid, you could say, oh man, that sucks. But then on the other hand, and that's what I said to myself a lot um, as I was like in my earlier life, that's what I said. I was like, man, this sucks. Uh, I miss, I hate making friends and then leaving again. But then now I can look back on it and thought, ah, oh, that's why I can make people laugh because um, I got so much practice at meeting strangers and having to form a bond with them quickly as kind of like a survival skill. And this is why I'm good at making friends with people because, you know, for the same reason. And this is why I'm good at reading uh, social dynamics and stuff. All the stuff I had been learning that I wasn't even aware of until I started reading this, well, listening to this audiobook. And then so many of these traumas that I went through that felt like meaningless suffering. And it just felt like I'd kind of been like dealt a shitty hand, you know, I don't know how much I can swear on your podcast. I'll try to keep it under control. Oh, you want. <laughs> okay. I just want to be like uh, dealt like a shitty hand. And that brought a lot of conflict as well, because I hate having this victim mentality and I hate it when people give like pity or something, this drives me crazy. So it kind of brought on a secondary conflict of, I don't want to feel like a victim, but how do I make sense of this um, difficult, difficult hand that I've been given? Um, so looking back on things, I, um, I can see that all of the trauma and the suffering actually has a lot of meaning and is key parts of my personality that I took for granted for so long because I, I, I just wasn't even aware of it. I remember one of my friends, a really, really good friend of mine, uh, telling me a few years ago, he was like, dude, you should do stand-up comedy. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you're funny. And I was like, yeah, but everyone's funny with their friends. And this was, and then eventually I started doing stand-up and obviously I have nights where I bomb badly and it's just like a total cringe fest, but generally it goes okay. <laughs> and um, um, this is just a huge part of my personality I wasn't even aware of. And so since reading Mastery, I've come to the conclusion that there's a lot of stuff that I'm not aware of, a lot of power that I have that I'm not aware of. And every day I notice something new and I feel even more powerful. And 
I don't feel helpless or anything anymore. Mm -hmm. So I reckon the book, that's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> Long story short, listen to Mastery. It's on Audible. It's interesting how this book played quite a, um, quite a fundamental part of the therapeutic process as well. Um, and it's something that I really love to do is to kind of, well, try to read the, read the person that I'm talking to or my client and kind of see what, like which of my mental library, which of the books kind of could fit their, 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 their place in, in life, their, their stage. Um, what can, can that teach them that, I mean, I can try to convey it myself, you know, but it's always, always when I try to convey some information that I learned from a book, it's like, ah, yeah, I just cannot say it as, as well as, as the people that wrote the book, obviously. Um, so I think it's such a powerful tool to, um, yeah, to recommend such a book and, or suggest it and see if it resonates. And, uh, one of the reasons is I think that I, uh, recommended mastery is that we were, I think by then we were already working with this game analogy of um, perceiving life as a game and the every life experiences and the challenges you faced as um, having earned you XP and loot. And yeah. also around the time we made a list of um, all your qualities, like, like, like all kinds of qualities that you gained from um, like certain struggles in your life, among which like being funny and sociable, um, but also like one thing I think you wrote down, but like having had money, money issues, like you learned how to uh, get jobs very, very fast and to, 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 to earn something, to get by, uh, to work very hard. You had this one job where you, or this one period where you wanted to come to, to Berlin and, but you needed to earn the money. So then like a couple of months you worked every single day from dusk to dawn somewhere in order to to earn them earn the money earn enough money to to go and move here um which i think was something that um like in some ways like like you were looking back over all these things and you were you had a very strong bias against like, like towards remembering the negative qualities and the negative experiences that you've made um yeah. And then seeing yourself some maybe also as like not so disciplined or not very hardworking. But then there was like, like these experiences that you've had with this work that you had with learning martial arts. And basically what we identified is like, hey, Renan, you already learned these things. You know, you have that in you. You've proven it to yourself. So why don't you take that and you adapt it to the challenges that you're facing now? And... I remember one phone call that we had when we were, when you were feeling, when you were in a crisis situation, I think it was shortly before this uh, epiphany that uh, like yeah. before this, this day that you woke up without anxiety, it was maybe a week or two before that. And you were feeling very, very stressed. It was like you referred it back to where you were initially. Um, but then we called and we went through this list and was like, okay, you have earned like you have had F these characteristics, yeah. please underline which of these characteristics you can apply to the current situation and how can, can these characters help you to, to deal with it? 
Yeah, I actually, I remember that, that day. That was, yeah, I had this awful freak out panic attack. And um, if anybody knows what um, those anxiety attacks feel like, it's, it's kind of, it's very crazy. It feels like you're losing control of the situation. And um, honestly, I wouldn't wish it on anybody because it really feels um, like you get like a full fight or flight response. Like the adrenaline starts running and um, really start freaking out. Um, but yeah. And then when we talked about, you were like, you have all of these skills that you can use to defeat or to solve this problem. I realized at that point that I had been seeing um, a lot of, um, a lot of these situations from the perspective of how it was, was when I was a kid, like when I was six or seven years old and I had real, no real power um, to if, like to manage my environment. And then um, actually when you said you're like, well, you have all of these skills, you've been through all these things, you've trained your whole life for this. I was like, actually, yeah, what the hell? What have I been saying to myself this whole time? I have all of these, um, I wrote down an actual list and I thought, okay, so that, like, I thought of the problem and then I applied what I had in my list and I thought, okay, so this thing, that would help. And we've got this and this and this and this. Like when you're trying to fix a car and you look in your toolbox, and you're like, okay, we've got everything we need here. We should be fine. Um, yeah, and, I, and at that point I realized, I was like, yeah, I have actually been seeing everything from the perspective of like the kid that I, that I used to be. Mm-hmm. And now I, I don't. Now I think like, well, I tell myself, I'm like, well, actually, Brendan, you've trained for this. So, and the last 10 times you had the like, pretty much exact same situation, you were fine. And then I look back and I think, oh, it's a good thing I had those struggles because if I didn't, then I'd be truly fucked right now. (laughs) You know, I would be actually helpless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think there's there's two important points to that. One, you... um, Because, well, there was one one point that's sort of an addition also is that as as a child you you were you were adapted as well as you could to the situation that you were in which contained a lot of uncertainty and a lot of a lot of you perceived a lot of a lot of danger in your environment yeah and i think that's one of the things that um our process helped you realize our, our talks that you developed these strategies for a reason and they were adaptive to your past. However, like nowadays you were perceiving situations in through the same lens, but the strategies were not, well, the environment also had changed, right? But in some way, your, your scheme, your, your, um, your image of the situation had not been updated properly. So you will, we're still seeing many things as if everything was as uncertain as when you were younger. And there were people in your environment that maybe wanted to do you harm or were not competent enough. Um, yeah. And I think that's one thing of like realizing, oh yeah, 
that's how I used to see things and I understand why I saw these things. And I don't have to see these things like that anymore. Things have changed. So I think it was both like a, an acceptance of how things were and how they are manifesting, how they were manifesting um, themselves through you in that moment. And um, like, so, so being compassionate to yourself and your past and then seeing like, oh yeah, and there's, there's, there's other things that I did. There's, there are skills now. I have more tools. I can apply different strategies to this. Yeah, the, the, the feeling that I had was that um, the, it's crazy how much my environment has changed. And I still, um, I often have these moments, and I've talked with friends about this, where I, I, my life is pretty good at the moment. Like I have some like issues, like economic things basically coronavirus has kind of like messed a whole lot of stuff up right so that's a bit of an issue but generally speaking life's really good and it's been good for a while and i never prepared for that <laughs> you know? so i uh yeah i have to update uh, my perspective of the environment around me it's not this day it's not i mean occasionally crazy things happen but um generally it's pretty safe and pretty nice and everything's good. And, oh, I forgot where I was going with this. Um, but it turned, yeah, it turned out that um, adapting to that was also um, something I didn't realize I had to do, but something that I actually, I had adapted for so long as a kid with dealing with difficult situations and like, you know, a lot of anxiety, a lot of unpredictability and whatever. But now as an adult, things are pretty stable and fine. And um, yeah, I also have to like train to deal with that as well. I train for, to deal with all the hard things and now I have to train to like deal with this and be okay with everything basically being fine. Because maybe, maybe you could share uh, one anecdote about, um, like, because like you were adapted to difficult situations right. and like, you've also shared some of the like very crazy stories that you've experienced also recently where oh, yeah. you stayed incredibly calm. And one conclusion that we drew from that is like, that's the environment that you, that you adapted to. That's, that's what you know. And then how like a situation that was, were maybe most other people would not freak out over at all. You freaked out over oh, yeah. uh, in a situation where most people would freak out. You, you, you said completely calm. So perhaps it's, it's, oh, it's, okay. it's funny so, and interesting for the listeners to, to hear one of these anecdotes. I kind of like laugh about it because it's, it's absurd and ridiculous. Um, to me, it is these situations, but there've been two times in my life when people have directly told me that they were going to kill me. Um, so the second time was I was here in Berlin and I was walking, I was working one day and I was out in the street and I came out of this restaurant and um, there was this lady sitting in the middle of the street and like this, um, it's like one of the streets near Gurlitzer Park. It's got like some seats and stuff near the middle of the street. It's like a pedestrian street, you know, and she was like sitting there eating her food and this dude walks 
you know how like you see like somebody and you're like that dude's crazy <laughs> he walked across he looked like a drunken sailor he, like a drunken pirate he walked across the street and just like kicked the table that she was sitting on and i was like dude what the fuck are you doing um i hate it when people do stuff like this and she was like what are you doing i don't even know you leave me alone and he starts like yelling at her and freaking out and she's just like one you know it's one of those situations where one situations where one second you're like eating your lunch and chilling and the next thing you know some dude's like directly threatening your physical safety and she was you could see she was like freaking out and people often i notice in these situations people when they freeze up you can kind of see it in their face and i think okay this person doesn't know how to deal with this situation like they they're not managing this and the other person is the aggressive person is in control of the situation they have the initiative and in that situation you have to somehow interrupt that so that that person's not in control because obviously they make bad decisions right so i mean i don't walk around kicking people's tables and threatening them because <laughs> i make reasonably good decisions um so I thought I have to manage this situation because I can't rely on the other people to do it because often, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's, I think it's called assumed responsibility. People always assume that somebody else is going to mm. call the ambulance or somebody else is going to manage the situation or tell the person to stop or whatever. And everyone assumes that somebody else is going to do it. So it doesn't happen. And I just told it, I was like, dude, fuck off. And I wanted to draw his attention from her to me because I was like, if he starts trying to hurt her, uh, it's it's not going to be good because she can't really, he's much stronger than her. Um, and in this situation, I wasn't really freaking out because I've had moments in life where I've been like jumped in the street and like beaten up or I've been at parties and someone's just like randomly headbutted me in the face or I've had times when people have, this one time a guy pulled out a knife and threatened to stab me to death. Like, I've seen a lot of violence and craziness in my life from a pretty early age. So while it is disturbing, it's not something that I guess you kind of get, it's still sickening and disgusting, but you kind of get desensitized to the panic um, response like that takes a long time for that to kick in. In many ways, um, you're also feeling confident that you could, could handle the situation. Yeah, I mean, if I'm really honest, there's like, we're at a restaurant, there's chairs everywhere, there's plates, there's like, there's, and I've trained in martial arts and stuff. And so I would be kind of, I don't know, you never really know, but I was confident I'd be able to deal with it. And anyway, the situation starts to escalate. And this dude's like, uh, he's like looking at me and he's like, I'm going to cut your head off. And I was like, oh, that's not very nice. You know, but I, but I wasn't really freaking out. I took my, I put my backpack down and because I, I didn't want to leave because she would be alone with this dude. And I didn't know if the other people that were sitting around, they were all looking, but it's the classic situation where like everybody's looking, but no one's really doing anything. And um, so I took, put my backpack down and I was like, oh, okay, like I'm going to stay here and make sure nothing happens. Um, but if he like attacks me, I want to be able to definitely be able to protect myself um, because he was strong and he also had like, he was crazy. So he had like the crazy strength, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's like when you meet like a crazy crackhead or something, they have like the crazy crackhead strength. So it's like another level of danger. Um, 
And eventually there was another guy who was with the woman and he started talking to the guy to calm him down. And I turned to one of the guys who was sitting at the restaurant. And I was like, dude, call the cops because he just threatened to cut my head off. He said, he's going to kill her. And um, someone's either going to like, this situation is going to escalate because this guy's just fucking crazy. And um, they were, we were talking about it. And I was like, could you just do it? Because my German's not good enough to tell the situation accurately on the phone. And he was like, uh, yeah, mm, uh, I don't know. And this situation kind of annoys the hell out of me. Cause I was like, dude, just call the cops. Like it's, you're not like telling on your brother for growing weed or something. This guy said, he's just going to cut this woman's head off and they don't even know each other. And eventually the other guy starts to talk him down. The other guy who was with the woman and he's like, yeah, um, he's this crazy French guy. And he was like, go to the park. And I'll meet you there after lunch and we can fight. Okay. And the guy was like still yelling and stuff. And then eventually he like left and I carried on about my business. And the whole time I was pretty calm in the situation. I wasn't definitely wasn't really scared. I just thought of the things that I had to do to make sure I was managing the situation. And it, it, he wasn't controlling the situation. Um, one, one thing that I find interesting is that well, you, you've shared several of, these kind of kinds of stories and um it's so interesting to me that in these moments you experience no anxiety and it's like yeah like like, like that, that's something that we observed or concluded from it it's that in these moments your entire attention is occupied by the situation at hand there's like i'm here i'm now and i cannot mind wonder i cannot worry about the future cannot worry about all kinds of significant things because this situation requires my full attention. And yeah. like in some way that seems to me like, like that helps you to just like stay really calm and present. But then in other situations where you have like, it's not, it's not urgent at all. There's, it's not life threatening. Then what you've had is that, okay, there's, so there's all the time and space and there's a lot of ambiguity all the time and space to mind wonder conjure all kinds of different future possibilities future uh, catastrophes um and then you could really think yourself in like well like like going 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 crazy over something um yeah so the other situation that's important in this comparison because i there was this question that came up of why one situation didn't frighten me at all which was pretty extreme and there have been equivalent situations like that like one time a guy had a heart attack in the street and i had to call an ambulance or he was like having some kind of he was in like deep trouble and i had to like try to call the ambulance for them and like i thought he was going to die so i was just like sitting with him and i wasn't freaking out then but then so these situations have happened fairly frequently throughout my life and um i don't really as a kid i freaked out but now as an adult i don't and then there are other situations which to other people appear pretty mundane and they can't understand why i'm freaking out about this but to me it feels like the end of the world and i'll give you an example so i have to do an integration course for my on orientation course for my um for my residency thing right to stay here in Germany. And I love my life here. I don't want anything to ruin it. Um, 
And I missed a couple of days of my orientation course because I was depressed as hell and I didn't want to wake up in the morning. I was like, I don't want to go to class. Just, oh my God, I'm just just barely hanging on. You know those days when you're sitting on the bus going to work and you're just trying not to cry? And but that, that, was, that was the situation. And it was like, oh Jesus, it was brutal. Anyway, so I missed like a, a couple of, like over two weeks, I missed like four or five days. And my, the school boss sent me this generic email, which was basically like, if you, it was like, uh, I, and I got this on a Friday evening when you can't do anything about it because everybody's like, it was like 20 past eight on a Friday. And the email basically said, you know, you're obligated to like go to class and um, do all of this. Like there are these things that you're obligated to do. And you haven't been doing it. Um, if basically, if you keep doing this, I'll have to tell like the foreigners' office. And I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, and I read this, and then like I read it in German, and I understood, I think. And then I put it into Google Translate just to be sure. And like Google Translate's pretty good now. And holy shit, man! I started sweating. I started like. <laughs> like full flight or fright flight or fight response i um i started thinking okay this is it my life's over now like the good things i love about my life this is it because i've had abusive and incompetent authorities often in my life so i have this thing where i really don't trust authority i i prefer to avoid it at all costs uh, avoid dealing with it and then i was like holy shit like the pit, and then I started obsessing. This is the other element of my personality I want to talk about in relation to therapy. But the, I started obsessing over how this situation could turn sideways, like how it could um, turn to shit, basically. And um, I thought, like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, when things get pushed into like the bureaucratic thing where it's like, if I tell the Auslander Behörde, I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus, they're, they're a bunch of faceless bureaucrats behind computers. They don't give a fuck about me. Like, what am I going to do? And then I started full on panicking and I was like, Jesus Christ. And then I was like, okay, I'll call Cuss and try to like put some sense to this. And it's so crazy. The reason I freaked out is yeah, because of times in my life when I'd had, um, really shitty experiences with um, um, incompetent or abusive authority figures um, and sometimes sadistic authority figures. Um, so what was I saying? Yeah. So I started full on freaking out anyway. And I called you and you like talked me down and we came to the conclusion that um, I often, um, expect the negative like the worst case scenario to come true and that being like the most likely which in reality isn't really like that but the part the main question i had from this is why is it that when someone in the street pulls out a knife or they say they're going to kill me or some guy has a heart attack or um uh, there's like a car crash or something or uh all manner of crazy things happen I don't freak out. 
I just do what I'm supposed to do and I try to solve the situation. Uh, why I don't freak out during those times. I stay pretty crystal clear and I do what I'm supposed to do and other people around me kind of freak out. Um, but then in these situations, like I get like a pretty mundane bureaucratic email, basically just saying, explain your absences. Um, now you <laughs> like, it's like, for me, I just freak the hell out. I'm like, what, what the hell is happening here? And that I obsessed over that question. And cause I knew that was the key to this whole thing. Like, why am I, why is this happening? Yeah. It's kind of funny to look back on it now, but at the time, holy shit, I sat there and I was like, after our call ended, and I was just like the intense, overwhelming uh, adrenaline rush. I sat there, I started crying a little bit. I was like, I can't keep living my life like this. These freakouts are driving me insane. If this keeps happening, I'm going to jump off a fucking bridge or something because this is just too stressful to have on a regular basis. And like, imagine if I had like children and stuff, like, do you really want your dad to be like freaking out every five seconds? Cause you've got like some kind of like letter in the mail or you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It was like for you, when you got that email, it was as if like for you, it was almost a reality that this was an email confirming that you would be deported the next day. Like something like that. It's like, well, we, we're, we're coming to your house, maybe even tonight. And we're taking, we're taking you, we're sending you to the airplane. You cannot take anything. You cannot say goodbye to anyone. That's how it felt. Like I knew at the time that that was like a little bit like ridiculous, but I was like, yeah, I mean, the, the person was like, these are the terms of your visa. And if you break the terms of your visa, then you won't, you won't let it be extended. So basically your time in Berlin is over and this element of your life, which yeah. you really, really love is, is over. But it, I, which given, I given that, like, like given that that's how you perceived it, I think like, it's also understandable that that's how you responded, right? Yeah. If, if that's the message that you got, if that's what the message means, it makes sense that you, like, like, like no wonder that you respond with, respond with a lot of anxiety um, yeah. and you start freaking out. But, and, and, but, but the problem there is that it's a very warped perception of what this actually means. It's a delusion. It's, yeah. And this is... This is the other thing about anxiety. When you have these like situations where you're like experiencing a delusion of what's actually happening in front of you, everybody else is just like, dude, what the hell? Like, calm down, man. And I'm like, holy shit. Like I can't fucking breathe properly. And I'm like freaking out. And um, I'm telling other people what's happening in my mind. And they're just like, dude, what the fuck? And then after a while, you just stop telling people because you know it sounds ridiculous and mm. i know it's it's it feels embarrassing and i feel like i don't have a like a proper grip on reality or something or i i feel like there's something wrong with me or i feel like people would lose respect for me if they knew how often i freaked out about things just uh, for the record that's the last time i freaked out <laughs> but as a kid it happened all the time as a kid it, it just happened all the time and um when you're a kid it's even crazier i guess it would be like you know when i've had a reasonable amount of experience with drugs right when you let's say for example you smoke like a joint and you feel like wow i'm high now 
and you're like, you feel the, the like the weed hit you and you're like, yeah, I'm high. And then you feel that drastic change in how you feel. And you're like, it feels like I'm on drugs. When you're having an anxiety attack like that, that's what it feels like. You're like, holy shit, this feels like I've been like poisoned or something or someone slipped something in my mm-hmm. drink. That's what it feels like. It's this crazy delusion. And um, what were we going to say? Um, yeah, um, and that's, yeah. How did it help you to talk to, to me about it? Because you said you kind of stopped talking to like, many of your friends about it because you didn't really feel understood what was different about uh, when we talked about it i knew that you had the tools to actually help me the, the main thing the problem i had with telling my friends about it was um they would say no it's fine like this reality that you're worrying about doesn't actually exist this is in your mind and i'd be like okay but Um, when I talked to you about it, I thought I, I, I was like, first of all, it's this guy's job <laughs> and he's good at this and he wants to do it. So I'm going to call him because he'll be able to gather some data of what's going on that we can use for later and work out what's happening here. And also we'd had so much success together already. And you knew all the other things that I had told you about that influenced the, re- the way that I freaked out, you know? So you knew that it was, um, you knew that we could um, tie that in with what I'd already told you about in the past and then use that in the future, in our future sessions to fix it. So I thought, okay, now that I'm actually having a full on freak out out here in the wild, let's also use this to um so i can be like see cuss this is what's happening this is a real example of it happening like this is it i think that was and i knew that you would be able to to help me i think it's it's a nice way to to describe it it's like see this is what's happening it's like you're um and which is something that i'm trying to do is i'm trying to be there with you with your experiencing of like being in the wild and experiencing a panic attack and i think that's often what what goes wrong when um other people try to help you it's i mean it's difficult to kind of put aside your own perspective and take someone else's perspective and i think often when people try to help you it's like i but but I, i don't perceive it like this so they're looking what you're describing to them, but they're looking at it through their own lens. And then they might even give advices from what makes sense to them. But that advice is almost never really applicable to uh, someone else's um, perspective, someone else's experience. Um, So what I also try to do in that situation is, how does this make sense to you right now? How does this make, um, how are you perceiving it what does it signify to you so that it has this like so that it's so significant for you so so, such a big threat um what about it is so um is so scary and so frightening 
And then indeed, like after having received that part of your experience and having the sense of like, okay, I understood, I understand what you're experiencing, how you're seeing it to then look, all right, what else is there to your experience? Is there a way that you could see it in a different light? Or is there something that you think you could do? And I think that experience led to something else that was interesting that well, you referred to it as, uh, how did you say it exactly? This uh, anonymous like bureaucrats that like kind of just want to fuck you over. Um, it's me paraphrasing how you... I. Are there these faceless people I, sitting? Yeah, I. It's not that I. I thought that they would, like, deliberately want to make my life difficult, but it was more like that. They, I thought, oh, they don't know me. They probably don't care. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's just they would just be like, oh yeah, it's just it's just a name on a piece of paper. They they probably wouldn't care. Um. Yeah, which was interesting because then. Well, I offered you the perspective of, you know, these people working there, they're also people. They're also individuals like you and me, and they're doing their jobs. And just as I am a, um, like, just as a, as a car mechanic, you call a car mechanic if you want to fix your car. You call a therapist or a counselor when you want to fix your mental health or have help with that. You call someone who is working at the government to help you with some government issues. So to see like, okay, these, these are individuals that are trying to do their job and they're experts on that job and what that might imply. And well, then, then, then like in the end, you had a very nice teacher who wanted to help you, um, who like, who kind of illustrated this because she wrote, you wrote her and then she illustrated, Hey, you know, (laughs) human being. I'm, care- I'm caring for my job. I don't want to fuck you over. I actually want to help you. Yeah. That was what was interesting for me because my experience as um, a school kid, I'd had some teachers who were like, like kind of sadistic. Like they, I had this experience of one teacher just sitting me down one day and telling me all the things that I was eight years old. And she was like, just telling me all the things that were, um, all the faults and the, the personality of an eight year old child. You know what I mean? And I was like, what the fuck? And she was like, you know, there's, there's this and there's this and not really like constructive criticism, just like straight up, like emotional abuse and um she was yeah she was like that was pure she was purely just being sadistic like she was a bitch i hated it for the record i hated her (laughs) let's just put it out there but um so i'd had these situations where i was i was um i remember that because it came out of nowhere and i think there are some moments in life whether it's like a trauma or like the darkness of people kind of corrupts you, you know, like you really see like the, I remember when she was looking at right, right in my eyes across the desk, telling me all the things that she hated about me and all the, all the things that were wrong with me in her eyes. I saw a part of her that really just wanted to hurt me. 
And when you're a kid and an adult is looking at you like that, an authority figure, it's frightening because on an instinctive level, you depend on these people for survival. And in a social aspect, they have all of the power. So I had had these experiences um, and that wasn't like the only one with adults. There were a few situations. And, um, and these were the people that were supposed to have my best interests at heart. So then when you like you get older and then you have situations like the one I described earlier um, with the language school and whatever, I was like, I was like the eight-year-old kid was just like, oh shit, man, we're in a really vulnerable position right now. We know what happens in these situations because we've seen it at least three times. So um, what the, what are we going to do, man? It's kind of authority equals malicious teacher that wants to hurt me. Yeah. Or like <laughs> there's some people that I think we all have some kind of traumatic experiences in our lives and some people are corrupted by them. And I think that's what was her, that's what her case was like. There was anyway. So I have this feeling where like if that person Yeah, sometimes when I look at authority, I see like her face and I think like, ah, oh, shit, you know, like that situation pops up in my mind and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm in this situation now. This could really go sideways. Um, I have to be able to do something to, to like protect myself or. Yeah, and that moment of reading that email, like I've said, and the thought of having to deal with authority was like a hundred times more frightening than some dude in the street telling me he's going to like cut my head off. And I might have to like fight this guy with a plate on like this fucking table here in the street. Like, and I knew he was like stronger than me and it was just this crazy situation, but, um, and all the other situations that have happened like that, because he's been at least 10 or 12. Um, that reading this email was like the end of the fucking world. But these other situations, I was just like, ah, you know, I'll deal with it. It's, I don't know, man. Because it's weird because I had my first, my first day of school when I was five, I had a fight with this other kid and then I had fought him again the next day. And I lost both times like badly. It was fucking embarrassing. Right. <laughs> But I don't look back on that as like some kind of trauma, but this teacher being like, like extremely abusive was like a, ah, oh, you know, that was, it's crazy how things, different things affect you because for a lot of people, I imagine it would be the other way around, like getting beaten up like two days in a row at the beginning of school. Um, And if all the other kids see it, like it's a very public affair, you know, <laughs> this, this for a lot of people, I think would be pretty um, traumatic, but for me, it wasn't. And I don't know. I don't know why, why are these things like that? I don't really get it. It doesn't make sense. It seems to me like an important aspect of that was that, uh, well, the teacher was one, there was this, this, this power dynamic where you were completely helpless against the teacher. There was yeah. nothing you felt like you could do. And then how you perceive, like you saw kind of pure malice in her eyes, like eyes, like she wanted to hurt you. You described it as sadistic. It's like really yeah. intentionally, 
being like, okay, this, this is, I'm going to, to hurt this kid. Whereas I think with the fight with this class, um, classmate, um, or this is kid from your school, that was there really evil intent in that? And besides that, were you completely helpless? No, because you were still fighting back, even though, okay, you, you lost, but you were like the, 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 the playing ground was more or less even. Yeah. I'm not sure if that resonates your experience with. Yeah, because I can look back on it and I think like, oh, he was just a kid. You know, kids are notorious for being assholes. You know what I mean? Like kids are pretty mean a lot of the time. So <laughs> um, I obviously I look back on that and I think it's pretty forgivable because I did the same thing that he did. Like I beat up plenty of other kids and um, I could see that he was like, you know, when you, when you're a kid and you win a fight, it's, it's still terrifying and kind of sickening. And it's like the adrenaline rush is pretty terrifying. Um, but there's part of you that it feels pretty good. You're like, yeah, I can protect myself. Oh yeah. We're out of danger. Great. Awesome. But when uh, you're an adult, oh no, when you're dealing with an adult, and you're a kid, yeah, that situation is like, wow, well, you're an adult. You shouldn't be acting like this. Like, what the hell? Mm. Uh, so, yeah, and when you're dealing with another kid, like, I can look back on it. It's a lot easier to, I, I mean, to forgive that kid. Like, I, I don't care. Like, it, it's not a big deal to me. But the adult, yeah, it's like, wow, that was, that was, uh, that was a no bueno. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can, we can um, move on to... Uh, to another question also bringing it a bit back to the kind of therapeutic process and where you are now yeah. um, and then perhaps we can slowly uh, also start wrapping it up after that yeah yeah we also have to talk about the um the other aspect of the video game oh yeah uh, yeah the video game pattern or whatever yeah because i think it's important um Well, maybe that's something like maybe you can tie it into your answer to to this um, this question. So, uh, where are you now in your in your process, and what's next? Ah, okay. So, where am I now? I'm really enjoying just uh, being pretty stable from day to day in terms of my moods. And the other thing is that um, through the mastery book, I've helped, it's helped me realize that I have an obsessive element to my personality, which through a lot of my life brought a lot of suffering and I didn't realize I was doing it, but I've recognized that I have this obsessive tendency. So I'm trying to hack it so that I can deliberately obsess over things and make it a productive element in my life. Because for example, we talked about the documentary thing, how like, for three or four years, I didn't think it was that weird that after work, I would watch four hours of documentaries. Just obsessively watch documentaries. I found channel after channel after channel on YouTube. I've, I don't know how many hours it's been in my life, but it's, it's, it's a lot. Like basically that my part-time job was watching documentaries, you know? And um, 
or I would, if I liked some kind of food, I would eat the same food every day for like nine months, you know, and I didn't think that that was weird. <laughs> so I'm now I'm trying to hack the obsessive tendency. So I have a list of things I do each day. I do a little bit of physical training. I um, write some jokes. I write down parts of stories that I want to tell when Corona's over, when I want to get back on stage. Um, I study English grammar because I want to teach English online. And I also study German because I want to get a B2 German certificate. So, um, and I, I obsess over getting these things done and getting them done as consistently as possible. And I've noticed a lot of the benefits that have come from that. Like when I'm at work, I obsess over stories and stuff and jokes. And then I get so much uh, information and um, elements to the story that uh, make it more interesting to say on stage. And so that's going really well. And I'm realizing that um, of course, for most of my suffering was the uh, uncontrolled obsessive tendency, you know, but um, and I thought it was, uh, you know, like that's actually a massive asset if you can get it to, like, if you can get it to work in a healthy kind of way. So I'm working on that. I and think it's a nice, um, it's a nice example of you, like through the process of therapy and uh, listening to mastery and applying what what you learned of um, turning your perceived weaknesses or maybe your weaknesses into your strengths. Because yeah. like this was something that came back in several things of like, okay, the traumatic events and the challenges that you face in your youth, then reframing them as, okay, what did I learn from them? How did they, how did it help me to prepare me and develop these skills and character traits that help me now with facing the things that I'm facing, with being able to uh, do stand-up comedy. Um, this thing of imagining uh, dr like dreaming daydreaming in in school that oh. like you were just daydreaming a lot and like it was also something like ah oh, yeah brendan he could do very good in school but he's day daydreaming too much and so if that's a really bad thing and now you're utilizing all that daydreaming uh, practice exercises to like think of of, of jokes and um, work out stories in your head that then later you can go and and write down um and yeah i think it's oh and like like now also with the obsessive tendencies it's like okay well i want something to obsess over okay well i can choose i have some um yeah. i have some influence over what i obsess over yeah i noticed that that the obsessive tendency has to feed on something and if you feed it healthy food, then everything's good. We're seeing progress and stuff. But if you feed it bad things or traumatic things or negative things, then it gets out of control pretty quickly. And I can start spiraling into like, you know, anxiety, depression mode. So hmm. um, I, it's like if you have like one of those like working farm dogs or something and you don't give it something to do it'll just like tear the couch to pieces. You know, it needs something to do. So, um, and with the daydreaming, I developed that because I was bored as hell at school, like bored beyond belief. It was so boring for like years, man. I hated it the whole time. So I was always daydreaming about, you know, 
like there was this crazy world in my head of these like like dragons and castles and like all this stuff that I was like wow this shit is awesome <laughs> these stories um and I would plan on what I was going to build when I got home and played with my Lego. You know, these are the things I, I, I did, but yeah, the teachers were always like, Oh yeah, you know, Brandon's got a lot of potential. He's pretty intelligent, but he daydreams way too much and we can't really teach him anything because he just stops paying attention. So it was basically like there's something wrong with Brandon rather than being like, wow, edu education system shit, because there's like 30% of the kids are getting left behind. Brandon's one of them. So, um, yeah, so now um, realizing the power of this obsessive tendency, like because for off uh, and these um, daydreaming and this intense imagination, because often they would just try to like punish that out of me. And now I'm like, nah, this is a core part of who I am, and I'm happy to be this way, and I don't care if people have a problem with it. Um, so me being um, these intense daydreams and obsessive things. For being a storyteller, a comedian, or something like that, it's really, really useful for me and how I do comedy and stories because there are things that ridiculous things that happen in my life, and they have parts of them that are like, if you really obsess over it, you can think of so many interesting or funny parts of stories. And um, this is what I want to do with my life. I'm, I'm a storyteller, and I always like have been since before I could you know, once I started to talk, I, I remember my brother's always telling me that I was always telling stories and, mm. um, was your natural vocation as Robert Green would describe it. Yeah. Like I was naturally inclined to do it. And I feel, you know, you've had, when you're doing something, you're like, yeah, this is, this feels really good. This is my purpose. This is what I'm supposed to do. Which I think is very interesting because Like your teachers telling you like, oh yeah, you daydreams way too much or like this is a bad character trait. It's like, well, whether something is, is, is a bad character trait or not, that depends almost entirely on what you want to do with your life. With, with some professions or some direction in life, daydreaming is like maybe not very useful or maybe um, harmful. <laughs> But with other things... Like you want to become a storyteller, you want to become a creative designer or um, whatever. Like there's, there's a lot of utility to having a rich imagination. And like, I think it's a bit of a mistake to say like, oh yeah, it's something that you either have or you have not, because it's also something that you, just like anything else that you develop and that through practice becomes you become better at it or you become more of a, of a dreamer. Um, so, so I think it's always important that, I guess, to, to not let other people who don't know what you want to, to do in life and maybe don't really have your best interest in, in or like, we don't really know what you want to do in, in life and what makes you tick, to let them tell you whether something is good or bad. Yeah, and to remember that they often people give advice based on what worked for them or from a very general approach. So, mm -hmm. yeah, daydreaming, if you want to be like a pilot or like a doctor or something, probably not good. But 
Um, or like my dad always told me, he was like, yeah, become like a trades, you know, be an electrician or a mechanic or something like that, because you just have a job. I tried those things and my intense daydreaming got to the point where I was like, this is legit going to get somebody killed. You know? But yeah, people will, they often tell me things and I'm like, you see me for like an hour, three times a week. And you think you can tell me like, you know, they're like Brendan daydreams too much. And I'm like, you don't know who the hell I am. Like, who the hell are you to be telling me what I do? Like, um, I, I guess there's like some statement like Brendan daydreams dreams too much in order to succeed in school, in this system, in our, in order for us to teach him our method of uh, learning, teaching. How it came across to me, since I've looked back on it, it was like the teacher saying, we have a one size fits all education mm. system. And if you don't conform to this type of being, this type of student, things are going to be difficult for you. And later on in life, you're going to have like, in this society, you're going to have a more difficult time to, you know, sustain yourself, get ahead, blah, blah, blah. But the part I found difficult and since I've, I've gotten into like nonviolent communication and stuff, the amount of judgments that people have when they're talking to children, is crazy. Like saying you daydream too much, you know, daydreaming is bad. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, well, who says it's bad? You know, who says I daydream too much? What if I daydream just the right amount? Like who the hell are you? <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, yeah, and so that's what started the whole like, ah, yeah, there's something wrong with you. You need to stop this, or life's gonna suck. And um, but now I'm like, no, actually, this is. I have such an advanced skill in daydreaming that I can, I can really get it to work for me. So it's yeah. fine. Now, and I guess that's that's what's it about a lot, like um, getting to know yourself. And then finding ways how you can use your your unique um, personality and your your unique character uh, with different skills that you have, different inclinations. How can you find a way to um, make that work for you rather than against you? Um, and that it's not always it's not always or it's it's not it's not easy to to find that most of the time i think it requires some experimentation it requires some intense self-reflection and yeah some creativity and seeing okay how can i apply this to certain aspects of my life and um like some things might still kind of work against you in one one domain and i guess then it's a lot about negotiating with yourself and the different parts of your personality all right like i want to do this but i also want to do that how am i going to combine these or create a space for all these different needs that are part of me yeah and trying to get the different parts of like the habits or whatever to kind of cooperate together mm -hmm. um and recognizing like uh what your habits are because a lot of the stuff that I do, honestly, I'm nearly 31 years old and I was unaware of most of this. 
I was unaware that I had like an obsessive tendency and uh, all these other really powerful forces that are at play in my personality. I was un unaware of a lot of them. So the other thing I would suggest is this is why therapy is awesome because I always looked at it like you go to therapy to fix yourself. And, but when you were like, no, it's more about like getting to know yourself. And then I thought, oh yeah, actually that's important because I'm realizing all these things about myself I was unaware of before. And I'm so happy that I went and found a therapist um, to, to discover all these things because it's given me a much better view of who I, who I am. But I wouldn't have, it would have taken a lot longer to realize all these things if I didn't have this therapist relationship to bounce these things off. So um, I would suggest to anybody to go and get some kind of, if even if you don't, you know, if you don't have like some massive dysfunction, I'd still suggest it anyway, because there's so much power within each individual that often people are unaware of. And that leads them to being, they float through life in a dissatisfied kind of way. And often they feel like they're slaves to other people's uh, plans and schemes. And they, you know, they work for other people and make them rich and they're unhappy. And um, these are a lot of judgments, but I just, this is what a lot of people have told me that they feel about their lives. I think like, well, this intense power within each individual. And I would suggest doing whatever you can to unlock it. And then for you personally, you've, you found that, sorry? <laughs> like going to a therapist would be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so so that's what you have discovered for you, for you personally. What worked really well is the was the sessions, is the trajectory that that we have um, that we have gone through together, um, getting to know, helping to get to know yourself, and finding ways to, I guess, optimize also your your life and your habits to your character by uh, like for, from a place of self-knowledge self-understanding yeah like fully realizing okay what do we have here like what tools and habits and um personality quirks and like what is the as much of the whole picture as we can see let's take stock of everything and work out what I want to do and what I feel good doing. And let's discuss how I can take what I have and apply it to those um, ambitions or whatever. Perhaps could you, could you tie this into the game analogy so we can then oh, round yeah. off with that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, when I was a kid, I used to watch my uh, older brother play um, role-playing games on the PC, you know, games like Morrowind or Skyrim or whatever. And you have your character and they have like this skill tree and you have different points in there, right? So often you adapt your skill tree to whatever kind of like monsters or challenges you're encountering. So I would play um, Oblivion with my brother. And so there's this, you have, there's an economic aspect to the game and then there's the, um, skill and development aspect of the game amongst many others but those two are the ones i'll talk about so um <clears throat> there's like i used to like for thrills i used to go and find like caves in the game or like old castles or whatever 
and go in there and just try to like, just like start a fight with whatever bandits or like goblins and stuff are in there. And then I would gather experience points from fighting them and also loot like gold weapons, armor, all kinds of shit like that. Rare artifacts. Um, and then, so <clears throat> how we applied this to life was there are things in life basically this allowed me to apply meaning to suffering life you know it's not fun in real life going down into a cave and fighting like the goblin warlord and battling his army right but often in life there are moments that feel like that and if you tell yourself actually hang on a minute i can gather experience points and loot from the situation i can go and work at this job that's a little bit nerve-wracking or frightening or whatever i can get better at it improve my confidence and i can also get money there's that aspect and then there's also the skill points when i when i had that freak out about the language school situation and then you said list all of the skills that you have so I listed all the skills that I have and I re recognized where I got them from and what I could use them to do. And I realized I got all of these skills from continually going into like the goblin cave and fighting the goblin warlord over and over and over again and building all of these skills onto my skill tree. And then I can use all of these skills to then move towards whatever I'm like, whatever my goals are. And the skills I've learned through all the goblin caves in a metaphorical sense, I've been down in real life and I've applied those skills into my skill tree has given me a much better view of who I am. And also the meaning of that suffering. If you can apply meaning to the suffering and think, yeah, but I got this, this and that from it. So it wasn't just pointless trauma or pointless, annoying bullshit I had to put up with. Then I can have a much more balanced view of it. I can see the, the painful and I can see the, the nice parts and what I learn. Because what I've learned is that at the end of the day in life, suffering appears to be inevitable uh, no matter what you do, whether it's working really hard or sitting on the couch thinking what you should be doing with your life, there's always going to be suffering. So it's best if you can um, suffer in a way that will apply bring you know some kind of bring you forward in life into these things that you want to do and when you have meaning to the suffering it's a lot more um it's a lot easier to to um live your life from day to day mm -hmm. yeah so that's the video game analogy and i think about that now when i think oh shit i gotta go to work we're doing the night night shift this is not ideal <laughs> i think like no what we're actually doing is we're going into the goblin cave and there's there's the amount of loot in there and this experience think of what you can gain from the situation like yeah okay you're working like a dead-end job at a warehouse or something what do I what what I gain from that in terms of XP? Well, there's an old guy who's the shift manager and he speaks a really crazy dialect of German. I can't understand this guy most of the time, but if I keep trying, eventually I'll get to the point where I can do it. And that's the XP. And the loot is uh, some money and um, some snacks in the break room. <laughs> <laughs>
and I think there it's also yeah. important that you are like like in a way you are heading towards the battle with the end boss um, or like with a big boss and you want to be as prepared for that as possible which is like right now as we alluded to before is preparing to be on the top of your game when the corona crisis regulations somewhat allow for some space to pursue some of the things like stand-up comedy that and uh, teaching english that you would really like to do so instead of like sitting now and like downtrodden like ah damn i want to do all these things but corona you know um fuck my life you're doing what you can to prepare so that when the chance is there you you will you will grasp you will be ready to grab these opportunities and you will make the most out of the out of the time until uh, these possibilities are there again yeah yeah so then when the boss comes like you have the best armor <laughs> you're in a you have a lot of points invested in stamina and strength and agility and whatever <laughs> um, yeah 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 um then once i'm into establish momentum and these things that i'm doing and to keep them moving forward and to um yeah because i could sit here this whole time and just wait it out be like oh yeah i'll just get drunk and high every day and wait till corona passes and then i'll have nothing to show for it and i'll feel like a total loser and um i'll be in a worse mental state or i could use the time to train and improve on what i can um and then when it's you know when the corona winter's over because i mean they just increase the restrictions until valentine's day mm -hmm. so and then it's highly likely that they'll increase them again um, but i don't care either way it's a little bit annoying but i don't really care because i'm like yeah but I, i'm just sitting here um in my um <clears throat> you know in the in the gym basically and just working on um improving my um all of my skills as much as i can and then when these opportunities come i'm not going to be there on the other side of this and be like oh man oh, i wish i had to use the time better to prepare because this opportunity is slipping me by now i'm, I'm not going to be in that yeah. situation you're now like building a strong foundation from which you can build yeah. up into the sky or um or like I know building on your boat so that you can I know catch the catch the fish when they're there they're there even the big fish yeah um, and uh, through the study of my own mental situation I've also gotten a bunch whole bunch of jokes from that I think and because everybody's had a crazy year of like Oh no, I'm locked inside with myself and my dysfunction. I think they're going to relate to a lot of the jokes I have about crying on the bars. <laughs> Is there anywhere people can um, can can reach you or like find you once you start like bringing out some jokes or anything that you want to want people to find you on? I mean. I don't have much of an online presence yet, um, but 
when if you just start coming to English stand-up comedy in Berlin, I'll either be on stage <clears throat> or watching everybody else on stage. So there's Cosmic Comedy, there's Space Medusa, there's uh, Sunday Slips. Uh, I don't know. There will be actually more clubs actually when this whole apocalypse is over. Um, mm. If you just go to English stand-up comedy Berlin and just start getting into the stand-up scene, I'd recommend it because there's a lot of great comedians and um, you'll be able to find me that way. All right. I'm looking forward to seeing you perform once uh, once that's too. possible. Um, God. I want to thank you a lot for, for being on the show and talking so openly about your, your process and your insights. Um, I found it very... Well, I found it very interesting to to work with you and very enjoyable. Um, and I'm looking forward to the work that we will still do. Um, and perhaps like at the end of the our trajectory, our working together, we can do this again and uh, see if we've had any new insights by then. Yeah, I would definitely look forward to that. I'm really happy about this experience. And I'm just so relieved every day that I'm on the right path now um, and I have some direction on um, this whole situation or this, mm. this whole existence experience. Um, and I feel a lot more confidence in myself and a lot more um, I've accepted myself a lot more. And I'm really happy that you've been there to help me with that. And um, I'd say you definitely have a really good skill with this. And I would suggest it to anybody to at least call you and talk yeah i appreciate it man it's um it's my pleasure and um, thank you for the recommendation uh, for anyone seeking counseling themselves or knowing someone who might i will post uh, put a link of my uh, uh, my profile on uh, it's complicated uh, a platform where you can find therapists and counselors i will put it in the show notes below and uh, yeah again thank you all for listening And until next time, Derek to share.